On today's Lockdown Bucks, we uh, revisit the game against the Indiana Pacers. What did it mean for the Bucks beyond just a win in the uh, standings column, if anything at all? Also, take a look at a rather interesting weekend and week ahead for this Milwaukee Bucks team. Fingers crossed, things don't go one of two ways. We'll explain what we mean after this on Lockdown Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Locked On Bucks. I am Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network. Joined by Camille Davis. You can hear her on the Technical Foul Podcast and the Carry the G in MKE Podcast. We both thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day and uh, today's show is also brought to you by prize picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba and use code all lowercase locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars uh camille i mentioned did you gain anything other than just a win against the indiana pacers because i have started to hear the chatter and I do think some of the comments that we heard after um, from Damian Lillard, from Giannis, and a, a number of players was pretty interesting and may back this up of, you know, did this kind of galvanize the team? And did the Pacers do the Bucks a favor by bringing them together? When you think about how emotional that game was, we saw Bobby Portis uh, standing up for Giannis in that flagrant foul that he got from Aaron Neesmith and Bobby Portis eventually getting ejected. And Damian Lillard talking about that too of, what that means for a player, especially new to that environment, to see that you know my teammates have my back here. So we've been long searching for man. When is this team gonna figure it out and turn the corner? And you know it's just one game, but you can't help but wonder: was this a big step towards doing that? I think so. I think it's one of those moments that you might look back on the season as an inflection point because this Bucks team, we've talked about the up and down nature of the games. We've talked about maybe possibly reframing how we view this team after being defensive first for so many years and getting used to this offensive first team. These guys are also getting used to some new faces in the locker room and also building that chemistry amongst one another. And we saw it with Toronto. We saw it with Atlanta where the Bucks lost that first game and said, we want our lick back. We're getting our lick back. It has to happen. And against the Pacers here, you saw Dame with the Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee talking to some of the kids like, we got to get our lick back. And I also love that the team is just embracing saying that out loud. Like, we getting our lick back. Like, we lost that first game of the bad taste in our mouth, and we want that get back for our guys here in this locker room. And this Pacers game, it started off where you're just like, ah, Pacers already have like five or six offensive rebounds here. Like, this is not – looking too good for our boys. And then everything started changing. The game had a playoff level intensity. Again, I think the end season tournament has been something that's been really good for the league so far in its inaugural season, uh, because this is how rivalries start. And I think Milwaukee, Indiana is one where like now that we've seen each other three times in almost a month with two more showings within the next two weeks, so seeing a lot of the same team can raise the emotions. It raises everything that's going on. And you saw it with eight techs in this game, like things were getting chippy, things were getting heated. But what you saw with this Bucks team is that they had each other's back. And I love Dame's comments after the game where he talked about growing up in Oakland. And he's like, there's always me and my cousins. It's a lot of us. 
And even if we got into it with each other, if someone else tested us, we had each other's back. And having that aspect of it, it goes a long way. Like NBA is a game. Basketball is a game. We get that. But we always talk about these games like you're going to battle with your guys. And this Bucks team has shown like they're willing to go to battle with one another. And that's another trait characteristic that you want to see in the team. Yeah, it's uh, like the the Dame reference to how tight his family was and his cousins. And I'm sure a lot of us have experienced that. It's like the brother yeah. thing, too, of I can beat up my brother. You yep. can't <laughs> beat up my brother. I don't know if you're a, a Seinfeld viewer, Camille, but it was almost setting up like Kramer and Bobby in the hospital where you saw those comments from Dame, like, trust me, we're going to get our lick back and you guys will have a good game tonight where it was like consistency has not been this team's forte. So is, is Damian Lillard setting himself up for something where he not only needs Paul O'Neill to catch a ball in his hat, but hit three home <laughs> runs just to, to live up to this for the kids. So I was wondering if we would see that, uh, but look, we've talked about this. I think the other big thing to come of that game too, is you and I have discussed this before, Bobby Portis with how emotional he plays and how much the city loves Bobby Portis. He has been much more impactful in home games than on the road. So he was one of those guys and, and we heard and, and read the report from Chris Haynes after that loss to the Pacers, but he was probably the biggest guy that you would circle this month and say, if he's going to turn it around and not to say that Bobby has, has been playing very, very poorly, I think he would acknowledge it, it hasn't been up to the standard that he'd set recently, but if he's going to start to move in the right direction, now would be the time when you have a six game homestand and just how much he feeds off of that crowd. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you hope that he can find something here during this homestand that can carry over to the road to make those performances a little bit more close in nature. Again, He's always going to have that home edge because of being able to feed off of that energy of the crowd, cheering him, being behind him. But knowing Bobby, he can also find a way to channel the opposing audiences and those cheers and those jeers into motivation for him as well. And Bobby has played that like enforcer role for us, quote unquote, for the most part during his time here. We know about Bobby's history, the way that he was perceived before he got to the Bucks. And even when he signed here, people thinking like, well, this is a this is a flyer. Let's see if this actually is going to work out. And it's been just a perfect fit for him here. And he's someone who I love to have on my team. Like you need those type of guys on your team. And it's really good to see him um, having a great bounce back game because like we mentioned, the reports that came out after the loss to the Pacers during the in-season tournament game in Vegas, where he's the one calling everybody out, but he just had a very poor game. So it's kind of like, how are you also going to respond uh, to calling out teammates, calling out coaches and calling out yourself? as well because that accountability aspect of it is super important as well and Bobby has since those reports came out it's only been a two game sample size and they both been at home but he's looked really good since those reports came out since that tournament loss and since they had a come to Jesus moment in that locker room around hey we need to be better and look the other big thing is some of the areas that we've we've continued to point to for this team and Adrian Griffin has said he's harped on as well like those are areas where you expect Bobby Portis, we need you to, to be one of the leaders and taking a step up here with that energy and especially rebounding the basketball. Of that, It comes down to positioning and some skill set, but it also just comes down to the effort that you put into it. So that's another area that you would really start to lean on uh, Bobby Portis. So we have seen a step forward. I think the big thing with this team is – we got to see two steps forward that we've seen a step or two forward, like just keep putting more of those 
together and start to gain that consistency. And this schedule may present that perfect opportunity, which we'll get to in uh, just a moment. The other thing I do want to get into coming up uh, next, though, is back to, to Wednesday night against the Pacers. Is this all of a sudden a rivalry? We've talked about the Celtics and the Heat, but what to make of a Central Division foe with the uh, Indiana Pacers here? Maybe the Bucks have found that uh, rival. But we do have to tell you about our friends at Dave. Dave is the banking app that is leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check and no late fees. Everybody could use $500 right around now, especially today and onward. You've got uh, 10 days to get all of your holiday shopping done. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Extra cash gives you more money to buy groceries, fill your tank, finally get your uh, car repaired, catch up on your bills, take care of your holiday shopping. You can do all that without having to wait for your next paycheck, and you can even build credit when you settle up on time. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. So if you're in a pinch, you need that help this time of season, uh, this time of year, get the help you need by downloading Dave. Download Dave today at dave.com slash locked on NBA. That's dave.com slash locked on NBA. You could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash locked on NBA. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility, eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. So, uh, Camille, the Indiana Pacers, uh, that was very, very emotional that we saw. I keep using that word in this episode, but, you know, I referenced the I can beat up my little brother, you can't, but this did feel like big brother, little brother. When you think about the streak that the Bucks have had in recent years against the Pacers, and look, here's the other thing to, to keep in mind is we wondered, it, it doesn't look like that, but I do want to be careful with these words given uh, the Bucks' next opponent. We wondered if the Pistons would be that team that would all of a sudden start their ascent because for the longest time, the Pistons have been terrible. The Pacers have been terrible. The Cavaliers in the post-LeBron years, they're just kind of getting out of it now and, and becoming a consistent team. The Bulls have been very hit or miss as well. So for five years, the Bucs have been able to dominate a very bad central division. And you wondered who's that next team that's really going to climb. Last year, you questioned the Cavaliers. I don't know if they're there just yet. We wondered, well, the Pistons. It's pretty clear there's a good chance it's the Pacers because Tyrese Halliburton is a superstar. Rick Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the league, and they, they seemingly added all the right pieces offensively. So part of that game on Wednesday felt like the Bucks embarrassed by what happened in Las Vegas and the fact that this team basically punked them twice, once on their home court without Damian Lillard, but they came back. They they had big leads. They lost him. They came back and won the game twice against this Bucks team. Part of it was the Bucks wanting to get that lick back, as Dame said. Part of it, too, you got the sense from Indiana was, hey, we're for real. Like We are not afraid of you, and we're here to show you we're on your level. 
And that's what you're supposed to do when you're little brother for so many years. Like we are making a stand here and we are holding our ground. What has happened, that's not going to keep happening here. And that's what you saw the Pacers make that stand to say. And the Bucks are such an interesting team because for years, like our superstars, we don't have really vocal guys. Like you see Giannis emote after big plays, of course, but we don't have a lot of dudes who are trash talkers on this team too much. They like to let their game do the most talking for them. We had Drew Holiday last year, who was also of that elk. And you get Dame, who is someone else. Like, we know he has the Dame time celebrations. He will do that. But he's not really talking too much. He's just trying to hoop. And he's going to show you with what he does on the court. Like, you don't got the answers, boss. Like, try again. So, to see this Pacers team and Tyrese Halliburton, this was where I was like, wow, he talks a lot. Like, it's almost every time down you're seeing him saying something. The Pacers were getting that trash talk in and the Bucks responded with physicality and they were like, okay, that's what you want to do. Here's how we're going to play this. And I think it all really started once Giannis got that first uh, foul on him where he just kind of put a little, little forearm into Tyrese's chest and Tyrese went flying. And it's just like, I'm not going to say too much, but you're going to feel what else is about to happen throughout this game. So I think that there is something starting to bubble between these two teams. And again, I'm thankful for the in-season tournament. Like it added a different element here because rivalries only start when you're seeing teams over and over and over and there's some type of stakes attached to it. That frequency of it is a big piece of it. And the NBA schedule also lends to this feeling more like a rivalry to see the same team this many times so quickly. Like as of January 3rd, when we have the second game against the Pacers on the back-to-back, that's our last time seeing them this season. Like to not have to see another central division foe until like the rest of the season in January as the month is starting, that's unusual. So like normally playoffs is where that happens because you have the series and you get the bad blood there. But with them having the schedule against the Pacers and then having the extra game, thanks to the end season tournament, it definitely adds fuel to that fire. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for, uh, high energy games. I'm here for now looking at the Pacers on the schedule. Like, well, let's see what what this next game brings. Because as a Bucks fan, like for years, it's been you know Miami, of course, with the history we have there. It's been Boston uh, with the history, and then also them just being a top team. It's been Philly for years, even going all the way back to them coming to Milwaukee. Fans coming to Milwaukee just to try to boo. Malcolm Brogdon, um, but Brogdon wasn't playing, so they booed Tony Snell by proxy. Like, there are some teams in the league where it's like, I look forward to playing these Eastern Conference foes because we got that history, and the Pacers are definitely uh, entering onto that list. No, it's a good point, too, about the, the in-season tournament and what that added, because if it was just the one game, I don't think you see those emotions, that the Bucks right. knew the, the finances that they lost by not advancing and, and potentially winning even more money um, but also the chatter coming out of that game was have the Pacers arrived. And, you know, I know Damian Lillard had those comments about Tyrese Halliburton on the one hand of, well, he, he kind of walked it both ways of, you know, I've, I've made a career of doing the same thing. So you have to acknowledge people are going to do the same to you, but also like you better earn that. So I yeah. think the Bucks certainly were looking to uh, send a message and that, that wouldn't have been the case if it was just that one game in Indiana earlier in the season. And now I'm going to be curious if we see some of the same, when the Bucs are in New York for two straight games against the Knicks, because that's almost very, very similar circumstances where one was within the in-season tournament, the other game, a close game that you won down the stretch, you're 2-0. And look, 
where the Bucks currently sit in the bunched up Eastern Conference, I know they have the second best record, but if if we start to look at things like net rating and point differential, if that was your determiner, the, the Bucks would be in the four or five matchup uh, potentially against the New York Knicks. So these are two teams you could still face in the postseason, and that's going to add to it um, as well for for this Bucks team moving forward. Uh, two teams that I don't think, you know, I'll go on the limb and say we won't see in the postseason this year are coming to Milwaukee within the next week. So you and I were talking about this before the, the show began. This is a very, very interesting and uh, I would argue somewhat tense circumstance that the Bucks are potentially going to be in for this next week because your next game is on Saturday at home against the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons right now are 2-22. and 22. They have currently lost 21 straight games. They play Friday night against the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's game two of a two-game series with Philly, home and road. So if they lose, they're coming to Milwaukee on a 22-game losing streak. Then you have later next week, or next week, I should say, um, you have the Rockets on Sunday. Your next game after that is Tuesday against the San Antonio Spurs, who are currently in an 18-game losing streak. They also play Friday against the Lakers, and then they play Sunday against the Pelicans. So they could be coming to Milwaukee on a 20-game losing streak on Tuesday. There's potential for two of your next three games to be hosting teams on losing streaks of 20 games or greater. And Camille, as crazy as this is to suggest, I want no part of that. <laughs> like You don't want to be the team that loses and breaks the streak that's over 20 games. I think 28 is the record. Um, and I believe, I think we looked at this uh, Wednesday night, I believe if the Pistons were to break that record, uh, the 29th game in their losing streak would actually be, and it is, against the Boston Celtics December 28th, which is very feasible. When you look at what they have, sure, you're going to have off nights where you catch a team that maybe takes you lightly or their shots aren't falling. That, that could happen at any given moment. But if they lose to the Sixers, 22 games in a row, and that's on the road, it's part of a three-game road trip. Then they have the Bucks that would potentially put you at 23. Then Monday, they're in, in Atlanta. That's been an up-and-down team, but Atlanta's still more talented than Detroit. That would get you to 24. The one game I think you would circle, they have a home game against the Utah Jazz on the 21st. Yeah, and that is, man, if, if we don't get this one, we got another series with the Nets, and then we got the Boston Celtics that like this thing could extend into the 30s if we don't get one of these upcoming games or especially that game against the Jazz. Absolutely. That was something I talked about on Technical File this week as like my NBA thing. Like, hey, the Pistons are on a his like they are on a franchise record losing streak at this moment. And it's has the legs to possibly become an NBA record losing streak. And the part of it that just made me kind of laugh a little bit was like, for as bad as the Pistons have been, and I've heard more talk about the Pistons than any other team, I was like, the Spurs haven't been that far behind them, as you mentioned, their losing streak that they're currently on right now. And the Wizards have just been a, a big mess. When I last looked on Tuesday, they had lost 14 of their last 15 games, and their only win had came against 
the Pistons, of course. So like these are three teams in particular where I would think that as an NBA team, when you see that they're coming, one, you might think like this is easy money, but when you see a team on a losing streak like that, there's some pride there. You don't want to be the team that this team just beat where it's like you have two wins this entire season. I cannot let you come into our home arena and beat us here. And that goes for both the Pistons game coming up and the Spurs game coming up. It's just when you have to have some pride uh, amongst yourself, you have to protect home court and you don't want to be on that, that side of history where it's like, ah, they ended this, this crazy losing streak against us, a top three team in the conference. Like you don't want that on your record. So they're in Philly tonight, like you mentioned, then they come to Milwaukee. So on an, in addition to the fact that this is a crazy losing streak, you're facing a team on the second night of a back-to-back, which in itself, you have a rest advantage. So things are lining up where it's like the Bucks should take care of business and they should win this game. Now, the execution of it is going to be crucial because the last time we played the Pistons, it was a very close game in itself. So got to take care of business. You don't want to be in that losing column against this team. No, and actually, I, I misspoke to the, the game against the Celtics. If they keep le- losing, that would tie the record at, at 28. So it's December 30th against the Raptors that would potentially break it. And that Celtics game is on NBA TV, which I think a lot of people thought, who's going to watch this? If there are 27 straight losses going in, I can guarantee you I am watching parts or all of that game between the uh, the Celtics and the, uh, the, the Pistons. And that's the last thing you mentioned, too. That's the other interesting part is uh, that it's night two of a back-to-back. And it's in Philadelphia. It's not in Detroit that they're going to be traveling from. They they had a three-game homestand or two-game homestand prior to that. So that's the reasoning for that. But you would think, that's well, night two of a back-to-back. They must be playing in Detroit and taking that short flight from Michigan to Wisconsin. No, they're coming uh, from the East Coast. So, yes, there's that. And then, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but potential for 20 games from the San Antonio Spurs. And I think the larger point of all of this is – this is a pretty golden opportunity for the Bucks, who have still not fully rounded that corner and, and started to figure things out and, and put forth a lot more of that consistency. But the Pistons, the Rockets have been spunky this year, but that's still a team you should beat, especially at home. The Spurs, a team you definitely should beat. Mm-hmm. Then the Magic, that's what rounds out that homestand. Orlando's much better this year, and especially defensively, one of the best in the league. But just as we heard, hey, we, we want to get some revenge from those Pacers games. I would assume it's the same feeling with that Magic game, and especially where the Magic sit in the standings. Then you got two games in New York against the Knicks, who you've already beaten twice, so it's going to be the inverse of that approach. But they're without Mitchell Robinson. They've had to lean on Tosh Gibson now that they've resurrected and brought in here. <laughs> And then you have uh, the Brooklyn Nets and Cleveland Cavaliers who've been underperforming so far this season. At least Cleveland has going into the new year in those two matchups with the Pacers. And after that, Spurs, Rockets, Jazz leading into uh, your your what second matchup this season with the Celtics. So I know we threw a lot out there, but the, the long and short of it is there's a lot of games between now and mid-January that are against mid-tier or lower teams. And these are games you should start to pick, pick off wins on and pad those those win column totals. Because look, as, as, as we know, the schedule gets much more difficult. The hope is by the time that difficult stretch comes late in the season, we've seen this team start to come together. And a lot of those things we've nitpicked, they're cleaned up. 
And along the way, you were beating those teams that you should have beaten and kept yourself in a pretty good position in the East. Yeah, Take care of business. That's what it comes down to. Take care of business. Do what you're supposed to do with the understanding. We've, we've talked about it before on this show. We've heard Giannis mention it. But during an NBA season, you don't get a chance to really practice all that much. So a lot of times any game is where you get an opportunity to get some on-court reps practicing things, that concepts, things that you saw on film. Understand that. And listen, thank you to the, the schedule makers at this point for kind of helping this team. Like you, you already laid it out what this Bucks team is coming up against over the next few weeks. And this is a team that's still finding itself, still trying to figure some concepts out. They've gotten a little bit sharper at it, as we've seen, but you still see defensive lapses. You still see moments where guys aren't rotating, they're not switching where they need to be. Even in that Pacers game that we just had, where you're looking and you're like, ah, they're just missing these threes, but those are open looks that against a better team will probably fall. So you need to tighten up still. So there are still things for the Bucks to work on, uh, and they're going to have opportunity to continue to do so uh, with this slate of games. And it's one of those things where it's like, thankfully, it's against uh, a schedule that's not extremely difficult. And I say that with a little hesitation because it's an NBA. Everybody's paid to do the same job. Anything can happen on a given night. So you have to take care of business. You can't overlook any opponent. You can't be looking ahead already to thinking like, oh, well, we got Boston coming up in two more weeks and seeing what Boston's doing. You have to worry about what you have in front of you on a game to game basis and take care of business. Yeah, a uh, a, a good stretch here for the Bucks to start to do that. But uh, again. It does not or will not uh, come without some stress here when you look at the record of uh, some of those teams on your uh, upcoming schedule. I do want to get to today's date, December 15th, and uh, why that all of a sudden becomes important and what's maybe changed a little bit is everybody's started to kind of question, what can the Bucks do at the trade deadline? Well, trade season has officially begun, so we'll get into that uh, after this, and after we tell you about Prize Picks, they are the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it is just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Uh, you can play alongside Prize Picks' favorites. Players like uh, rapper Meek Mill, comedian Andrew Schultz. You can find that in the community plays tab and of the uh, app view. And uh, you can play with some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each and every week. And more importantly, they also, prize picks, offers a reboot policy. So your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. It's very simple and easy to use. Just go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, it's prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code LOCKEDONNBA and you can get a first deposit match up to $100. Hundred dollars through Prize Picks. All right, uh, December fifteenth, as we sit here and record this, Camille. That is today's date, and I'm sure a lot of uh, our audience is aware of why that date is important. But if you're not, that's when more contracts become tradable, 
uh, in the NBA. So I believe it's just over 80 free agents who signed deals in the offseason. December 15th is that trigger date where that contract can now be moved. So you got a bulk of the league who is already tradable. Now you're adding roughly 80 or so players to that list that can now finally be moved. It's been a while since we've seen um, one of these December 15th deals. I believe it's been about a decade or so, and it, it, it usually is not any players of consequence. I think the big thing with this is that the trade season is officially opened. It's not to say, hey, expect all these moves to start coming fast and furious now, but we have had you know some interesting test cases already here with notably Zach Levine, and now it's it's not Zach Levine himself, but the players you could potentially trade him for now that pool becomes larger with free agents signed in the offseason that maybe you were just adding. The Miami Heat have uh, been one of the biggest teams to use this. Maybe you just keep them around just to have a contract that you can move. Maybe it was somebody brought in. It's just not working like we saw the Bucks do with DJ Augustine that brought them a P.J. Tucker. But now there's a lot more players that are going to be available, and especially that Chicago situation. I think you're going to start to see some movement, not necessarily today or this weekend, but in the coming weeks. Absolutely. This is a big date because like you mentioned, there are more guys whose contracts can be traded and it's a contract game. Like you might have like a, a player who you're targeting, but it's like you got to make the numbers work as well. So having more options to make the numbers work. Of course, this is why you see trades start to pick up after this December 15th date. You mentioned Chicago team to keep an eye on and it's been really interesting watching Chicago because Kobe White has been really playing some good basketball and it's kind of like it's interesting that this begins uh, when Zach Levine is out when DeMar DeRozan was out for a bit but now he's back in the lineup and it's like okay well what happens next with Chicago uh, we expected you know a few weeks ago it looked like it was going to be a complete fire sale in Chicago but it's interesting to think like has the last couple of weeks changed anything there but keeping an eye out on Toronto as well. Toronto was a team last year where people thought they might be able to blow it up a bit. So let's see what happens. And I mentioned those two teams because they're both in the East. You always have to keep an eye on whatever Miami might be looking to do. We know the Bucks don't have much in their tradable cupboard when it comes to draft picks and assets of that sort. Look at the contracts on this team and it's kind of like, well, what could we actually do? Who could we move? And some of the names that you talk about who might be in trade talks for the Bucks. Fans have a very emotional con uh, you know, connection with. We talked about Bobby Portis, one of the uh the the emotional leaders of this Bucks team, but it's a contract that when you're looking at trying to get more talent, uh, it, it slots in pretty well with a lot of different pieces. So does Pat Connaughton. So even a Marjan have might be thrown in there. So those are some names for the Bucks side where I'm seeing a lot of people throw out who they want to see the Bucks acquire. And it's like, okay, well where you're talking money, now we're looking at guys like that to trade out to acquire those that talent. So it'll be interesting over the next week or so. I'm um, really digging into the list of guys who the Bucks realistically might be after be able to go after. And again, I respect John Horse because he's been able to turn some some trade assets and some some players into uh, returns that I didn't think that were even possible. You mentioned the PJ trade. I was like, it just takes two two DJs to get a PJ. I never knew that. Like. I didn't know the math was going to math that way to be able to get PJ Tucker. And ironically enough, that's another name that I've been hearing uh, for some people wanting like, Hey, is there an interest there in, in bringing PJ back since his role with the Clippers has been diminished uh, since that it, trade. It's, it, it's been eliminated since uh, <laughs> that trade. Another DNP 
last night in the win against the Warriors, that's what I think it's like six or seven straight games that he just hasn't yeah. played in at all. And so for the Bucks, and again, we're not suggesting that any of these players are going to be traded, but that list for the Bucks of players eligible to be moved as of today are Malik Beasley, Jay Crowder, Robin Lopez, Thanasis, AJ Green, and to Chris Middleton. And just looking through the list, I think some of the interesting names here, uh, especially in, in light of what has already started to take place this week, is uh, you look at the Lakers, Gabe Vincent and his $10.5 million contract is movable now. D'Angelo Russell, over $17 million. That's eligible to be moved. Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, who knows what happens there, $23 million plus. That one is now, yeah, eligible to be traded. So there's more than 80 names that now officially kick off trade deadline season here. And, you know, the last thing I would add, uh, Camille, too, is we look at just the landscape of the league. The Bucks are one of those first and second apron teams that um, they have even more handcuffs placed on them, if that's even a, a phrase to put here. But in the past, you could bring back 125% of the, uh, the, the contract value that you were shipping out. So um, now that number has dropped for teams in the first and second apron. So you, it's just 110%. So it's closer and closer to dollar for dollar that you can send out. They also can't aggregate any of these deals as well. So you can't take a $3 million deal and a $7 million deal and bring back $11 million. It's got to be you're sending out one deal that fits that. So that's the other spot the Bucks are in. But to me, there's a number of teams that are below the apron, well below it, where you can bring back not only 125%, you can bring back 200% plus additional money as well, plus 250000 And then you have two very, very interesting teams that basically no rules apply to them. They could do whatever they want. That's the Indiana Pacers and the Orlando Magic who have been very, very good so far this season. And now not only are they starting to peak and play very well, but they have no financial restraints at all. So it's it's not to suggest those two teams are going to become title contenders, but they've all of a sudden become very, very interesting teams to monitor from this point forward and certainly in the offseason. So you mean to tell me that uh, the Pacers going out and getting uh... – James or is it James Johnson who they just they just brought back on after the like that's not that's not going to be it for the for the phase <laughs> this year the enforcer role after getting Bobby Portis but no like for real that's one thing to keep in mind during trade season that I'll say as we we wrap up here where of course we're focused on what the Milwaukee Bucks do but you have to keep an eye on the rest of the landscape and see what your competition is doing as well because you don't want to fall behind in the arms race you want to make sure that your team that you have on the court can compete with whoever else is thrown out there when the tip, when the ball gets tipped off. So something to keep an eye on. Um, again, the Bucks assets are limited. You mentioned the restrictions they're going to have because of their cap situation. So something to keep an eye on, but the doors are open. Trade season really is here now. Trade season is uh, certainly here. So yeah, that date has finally hit on the calendar and, and we shall see what uh, John Horst eventually has up his sleeve as we move towards that February trade deadline we're going to be back this weekend we're going to do another live show saturday or sunday morning not saturday sunday morning i think 10 o'clock is the time that uh, we usually do it so uh we'll do that uh, on youtube so be sure to tune in for that and then the post game recap of the bucks and the rockets that should be a fun game just to see that young talent that the houston rockets have and, and how much better they've been playing 
Alperin Shangun as well. Brooke Lopez can look across the sidelines and see what, what may have been. Uh, so that should be a fun matchup. We'll have the game recap for you on Monday. For Camille, I'm Justin, and uh, we will talk to you with some more Lockdown Bucks. Remember, Sunday morning with the live show, and then uh, Monday morning with the post-game recap of the Bucks and the Rockets.